2: The Republican National Convention was this week. Did it unite the party? Did it scare the heck out of everybody else? The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez, your Libertarian voice, on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. If you just heard my open about the RNC scaring the heck out of everybody... I got to say, I wrote that down before I read the headlines that Jon Stewart had basically used the exact same line when he hijacked the Colbert Report, I guess that's how you say it. I never watched that stuff. So I I did not steal that from him. I do not watch that stuff. I don't actually not watch it because uh, they're totally liberal and I'm not. I'm libertarian. I... I used to actually think it was funny, but I stopped watching it because it stopped being funny. There was, if if you remember the 2004 election cycle, it was Bush's reelection year. The media got so vicious, so uh, they just were, attacked him so much that John, even John Stewart, whose shows show had been funny before, and he would make fun of Bush, but it was endearing. So he stopped, and he got like super serious, and it just wasn't funny anymore. So I didn't. Listen to it. And uh, and it's not because it was liberal. Uh, Even if he had been, you know, I'd almost it was because it wasn't real. It was because it was Democrat. Not man. I'm not saying I don't I don't pile on Democrats. I don't uh, promote Republicans. I'm not saying that it's the two party system that I think is not real. It's not real. And when a guy like that, you know, I'd rather him be a Marxist revolutionary, really, if I want to listen to what he has to say, because then it would be real. But what I'm, what I, what they do is like, so what he was doing about the Republican convention, he was just bashing Republicans. And I get that. I understand that if you look at the political elite in the Republican party, I mean, they, that this is what they say about them. Corrupt cronies, hypocrites, uh, all that stuff. Greedy. I get it. There's plenty of that uh, at the top of the Republican Party. But there's also plenty of that at the top of the Democrat Party. I mean, if you look at Hillary, she's basically the kind of Republican that they accuse the political elite of the Republican Party of being. A bankster, a uh, corrupt, crony, warmonger, all the stuff they say they hate about Republicans, she is. And yet they don't seem to see that it's on their side as well. And, and I'll tell that to people on both sides of the aisle who vote, voters on both sides. On the left, the voters' ideology, you know, just to oversimplify, let's say, is share the wealth. We're all in it together. And on the right, the voters' ideology is basically, I just want an opportunity to create my own wealth. I just want to be left alone. I just want to uh, do, do what I need to do for me. In a in a moral way, in a uh, as a, as an individualist myself, that's the position I come out on. It's when you start thinking that the politicians on your side are share your ideals, share your values, and are running for office to defend those ideals and values. To implement them the way, you know, to defend them anyway, the way you defend them at your Thanksgiving table or implement them in your own life. Like what you would do if you were that politician. And to think that, I think there's just, especially at the federal level, there's just way too much evidence that that's not how it works. So I can forgive hardworking people for taking that shortcut because you can't really dig in, but a guy like him who does it for a living and myself, I do it for a living That. The, you you have to know that that's not really the case. And I, I'll tell you, this has been totally not covered. I am highly doubt anyone's heard this who's listening to me. But uh, an example from this week was John Corzine. Does that name ring a bell? Does anybody, anybody even know who he is? He he was the senator of New Jersey. He's a Democrat. He was a, uh, he was the governor of New Jersey. He was the senator of New Jersey. He was also the... CEO of Goldman Sachs, so this is an extremely high-ranking political and banking guy, Democrat, who, uh, in the firm he ran, MF Global, when things were getting hairy at that firm, uh, unbeknownst to the investors or anything, they took, under his guidance, like there's an email that, that supposedly is a smoking gun here, took people's money out of their accounts like if you have an e-trade account took that money and used it to support this bad bet on european bonds and and he was trying to shore up these investments probably double down on the bet and he was going to put the money back in your account and then save himself or if there was profit keep the profit so he was risking the people's money and uh not compensating them and it, it, he actually said that in he was allowed to do it but it's highly questionable he's allowed to do it and but overnight after he made these bets the firm went under so he couldn't put the money back because they lost the money and even if he has some excuse for taking customers money they didn't read the fine prints in their agreement or something i don't know he took some there was a little money left so they gave it to J.P. Morgan and other banks, like big accounts, not customer accounts, because they knew they were going to declare bankruptcy and that was going to tie up the money, what little of it was left. That is fraudulent conveyance. There's a term for that in the law, and it's definitely not okay. So for me, this guy should be on trial. And when when this first came down, everybody in the media— even the mainstream media, their initial reaction was, this guy's got to worry about staying out of jail. Well, this article this week said uh, there was an insurance policy. They took $150 million of it and used it for legal fees to defend the executives, including John Corzine, and they still have some set aside for him. And they gave $184 million to the customers. And, and I think the customers are all going to get paid back at this point. But Corzine's going to get off scot-free. He's not even going out of pocket. He's not in any danger. And it's crazy that he should be able to get away with this. But it's all this stuff that happens at the top. It's all, and it's the Democrats and the Republicans. There are, people don't want to hear this, but this stuff gets really uh, intertwined. For example, I've mentioned this before, but but I don't think it was timely. People didn't remember that Ivanka Trump's father-in-law is this guy, Charles Kushner who went to jail for campaign finance fraud and for trying to cover it up. You should read the article on my website. It's a, a shocking story. I, I won't even repeat it. So I, uh, so he, the father-in-law went to jail. Chris Christie was instrumental in putting him in jail. And he was the biggest donor for Hillary Clinton when she was in the Senate, and uh, when she was running for Senate in New York. And he was Trump's, Donald Trump's first big donor. So why wouldn't Chris Christie have brought this out in the primary race? You know what I'm saying? Like, this stuff is—I just can't—I can't stomach it when people don't— when somebody like Jon Stewart or the pundits at the top, the media, don't recognize— they they take a side like that as if their side, the politicians at the top of their party, have this moral high ground. I just— there's too much evidence to suggest that they don't, but uh, I probably opened a can of worms. So you're welcome to call about that. I did. I just wanted to bring that Corzine thing out because it doesn't get any press, and this is the problem. These people are above the law. So, uh, but I do. I really want to talk about the Republican National Convention. I think I was just mad at Stewart for scooping my line. Uh, but let's talk about the convention. Four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty. One eight hundred WSB talk. You could tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. I have some tweets here that I got. I I, I just threw out the question on Twitter that uh, I I did feel like there was a real undercurrent of fear that the overall theme had a lot of fear stuff and uh, wanting to be strong making people feel uh, attacked or impotent and then saying, but we could be strong. And I asked people what other themes, if they agreed with me or not, if they, and if there were other themes they picked up on. And so Martin tweets, it's time to buy stock in the military-industrial complex. So I did, I think that that, War theme was definitely very strong. I think uh, military-industrial complex is what Eisenhower called. He actually originally called it the military-industrial-congressional complex, which goes to all that other stuff I was talking about. But they that, to me, the big three there are finance, defense, and energy. And these wars in the Middle East are, in my mind, and Martin's too probably, are designed to bring... To serve those interests, not ours. That that's why I don't think they're really fighting radical Islam. Rather, they're using radical Islam as an excuse to prosecute wars that they want for other reasons, for the military-industrial complex. And he might be right. Buy stock in it. It's going to be fine. The finance, energy, and uh, and defense. I should not make stock recommendations. <laughs> I take that back. I'm terrible at that. Uh, another one. Another tweet I got from Cam. Aren't both sides really just about fear-mongering? fear mongering—fear of guns, fear of Muslims, fear of police, et cetera, et cetera? Yes, I I think that the everything in politics is powered by fear. Fear uh, on the actually coined a phrase: the fear spectrum. On the left, the fear is I'm not going to have enough to eat when I'm too old to work, and, and you go all the way to the far right, someone's going to take my stuff, and uh, and every place in between. It's fiscal insecurity and physical insecurity the fear what you fear the most and you just vote for your guy and and they exploit that and uh they even take it to the extent where like this election is really about who you hate the most or fear the most and it's on the other side i mean never trump and uh and i got another tweet that said from michael saying my take on the rnc was simply simple as abc monica anybody but clinton so so who's running? Anybody, anybody but Clinton and never Trump. So that's that's what your candidacy is this time around. Boy, I must have said something because the lines are lighting up, but there's still room for you. 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. Uh, you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. I'll get to you your calls after this.
0: Monica Perez on News 95.5 at a.m.
1: 750 WSB.
2: It is hot, humid, and gross outside. 87 degrees. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate. Heating and air. Talking about the Republican National Convention and taking your calls. 404-872-0750. 800 wsb I'm going to Jeff in Atlanta. Hi, Jeff. You're on with Monica.
0: Oh, hey. Listen, um, thank you for uh, being on the air. What I was just going to say is I don't think, really think that you had any single legitimate... Um, bonafide argument or anything that was unique i feel like that you copied what is in the mainstream media and Me? um, you just ru- yeah and you just rubber stamped the you know the comment about a speech being do- you know being dark it's a bumper sticker mentality and what are you nice talking you
2: about
1: had a, had a unique contribution what to- are you
2: talking about did you hear what are you talking about what i just said about john corzine
1: well, t- I was just listening.
0: I was just listening to what you just, what you just said, and I didn't agree with it.
2: What? Whose speech are you talking about? I was. I, you were talking about Trump's speech. No, I actually, I have two clips coming up. One is from Giuliani's speech, and one is from Christie's speech. Uh, I was actually didn't talk about Trump's speech at all, and I felt like it was pretty balanced. Yes. I did not. I mean, it's. There is definitely this undercurrent of fear. I do want to get into Trump's speech. I want to get into the law and order stuff. Uh, that and. Um, I, I the, mean, I
0: didn't see anything with fear. I thought that it was just a valid representation of what a majority of Americans feel. And you seem to follow along sort of like on the, the, the liberal, um, you know, Montage that it was somehow dark and I don't think that it was I think it expressed reality and you rubber stamp what the liberal media is saying
2: well I have I I have a my particular perspective I don't even listen to that stuff they they are actually my entire monologue was just about how I think it's ridiculous how people stand on the Democrat or the Republican side and act like my guy is this moral paragon whatever uh, what I think is actually happening there is I think that the entire convention was really meant to get people scared for and call for more government. No matter who's president, no matter what happens, they use these levers. You think that this is the way the world is, and they're just reflecting that. I think they encourage the world to be like that because that's what calls for more government. I have a lot more to say about that, and I'm going to. Throughout the show, I've got more calls coming. Dan, Kay, Charles, they say I want to talk about the different speeches and uh, that your view depends on your perspective. This is Monica Perez. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show.
0: Maybe it's something really cool that I don't even know about. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We must not be afraid to define our enemy. It is Islamic extremist terrorism! I, I, for the purposes of the media, I did not say all of Islam. I did not say most of Islam. I said, Islamic extremist terrorism. You
2: know who you are. And we're coming to get you. So, that was what I was talking about, about the tone of the convention, that it was very, it was trying to rile people up. This is Monica Perez, your Libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. I am talking about the Republican National Convention. And I had a very objective view, I think, of the emotions they were trying to evoke and the policies they were trying to get support for outside of uh, winning this election. That that is was not the feeling I got, the feeling I got aside from Trump's children talking about him and his wife's speech, which we can talk about later. I really felt like this was about, uh, making the right feel like they need more government. That's what I think the fear is all about. Uh, now I did get a tweet from Tim that said, not as much fear as strength, national pride, and a sense of order with immigration, trade, foreign policy, etc." cetera. But then Aisha says, I wasn't sold on anything. We all know heads and tails are just different sides of the same coin. So uh, there's different perspectives of how this thing went. So let me know yours, 404 750 one 1-800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. I'm going to Don and Marietta. Hi, Don. You're on with Monica.
1: Hey, Monica. Love you, Shab.
0: Ah,
2: oh,
1: thanks.
0: Uh, from the Republican National
1: Convention, I just can't figure out, how all the Republicans can't figure out how Donald Trump became the candidate. I mean, his number one way to getting the candidacy was free, excessive, Democrat-controlled media. Yes. And And when you look at that, the main reason why is he was the only one, I'm going to say running as a Republican, that Hillary stood a chance to meet.
2: I I feel the same way. And I'll tell you, I wrote a really, really comprehensive article about it on my website, MonicaPerezShow.com. And I started writing about that last July. Last July, when he first announced, I said, I've been following Donald Trump. I'm from New York. I've been aware of this guy my whole life. And same with Bernie Sanders. They just made fun of those people. And then I saw that people at CNN were complaining because the word came down to cover Trump all the time. And now recently I've seen different reports from two to four billion dollars of free media, much of it from the left. And uh, and the last thing I'll say is I saw an article in the journal a couple of weeks ago saying Hillary had booked 20,000 TV ads and Trump booked zero.
1: Well, I, I know and all Hillary has to do is show a copy of a check that Trump signed donating to our campaign. You
2: know. Well, that's the that's the stuff. I mean, they they have a long history together and yeah. uh and they have overlap and uh it's but what you're talking about, not too many people I mean it, it upsets people when we talk like this, but uh, but I have to say, it it feels like that to me. And her big problem was extreme unlikability. She's very polarizing. People really did not like her. It was going to be very hard to pay her back for stepping aside for Obama, you know. And I think that's what this is. And and I think they found somebody very polarizing and and uh, who's good at this reality uh, TV stuff and and who they could could really craft a message that would be polarizing, which is what I felt from the RNC, which is why I opened the show saying, did it unify the party? And and even if it did, did it really scare everybody else, two-thirds of the country? I mean, was that was it what it was designed for? Because that's why they're getting that reaction. They want you to, you know, I don't know.
1: And unified the fear, that's for sure.
2: Yeah, uh, thanks so much for the call, Don. Um, right. uh, I'm going to go to Charles in Gainesville. Hi, Charles. You're on with me. Hey,
0: Martin. Monica. It's good to speak to you again. Thanks. For I, you mentioned earlier, and actually, it was going to be my phrase, but I think it's your perspective on where you're coming from. Now, I enjoyed the Republican National Committee. I did not get a sense of fear from it because I see the things that are being talked about. You can see them on TV. But let's say that all of a sudden we had lots of government employees coming across the border, and they were going to do the job for a third less than what the current government employees are. <laughs> I think they would have a different perspective likewise if we were to have a lot of uh radio personalities and talk show hosts coming across the border because they didn't want them in Mexico and they were willing to do it for half the cost probably WSB might take them up on it and NBC probably would too and then I think the perspective of those people involved might be different
2: Here's the thing if you want to talk about immigration there no, I'm not, are I'm not
0: just talking about immigration. Oh. I'm talking about how how all of this perspective comes together. Those people that are alive. Oh
2: or, yes. It is it's George Washington said you can't have a system that's designed on anything but You must expect people to vote for their own interests. They're not, you're not going to have the majority of people voting against their own interests. My sister coined a phrase called the ethical glass ceiling. You're at work, you're doing a job. You ask yourself, is this right or wrong? And you, uh, You stop that questioning when you find the answer that says, yeah, you can do it. Or or there was another famous quote that said, it's very difficult to get someone to see a truth if his paycheck depends on him not seeing it, to paraphrase.
0: Well, I also agree with you that we need more political parties in the United States to keep a balance. We Well, I don't know know
2: if I would say we need more political parties. I'm an anarcho-capitalist. I think at this point of... Technological development, the surveillance state, the propaganda state—that there is no modern state with the monopoly on coercive force that you could trust. I think that we're better off defending ourselves at this point.
0: Oh well, I don't disagree. No, I know you're not
2: going to like that. And I don't mean chaos. I mean the theory is—it's a real theory. It's uh uh, uh—it's that Frederick Hayek said it was called a spontaneous order. Right.
0: Did you ever get the book? uh uh the, that I mentioned last week about the uh shattered consensus you still need to read that but you you brought forth a theory that I have thought about and that I am thinking about even more uh last week we just had a moment to talk that I, that I think you know power corrupts and absolute power corrupts even worse and people like and I'll just use Hillary as an example okay uh whether it fits or not is that she enjoys the power and she enjoys the money that the power brings and what she appears to be uh, giving to somebody. But the problem is when you get to that kind of point, you will do anything to keep that power and to bring that money in.
2: Yeah, and, and actually your life...
0: Yeah, I think, I think we citizens of the United States have suffered greatly because we do have leaders that get like that, like Obama. Clinton, others—they're not the only ones.
2: Oh, people on the right are the same. If you look at the history of the Bush family, uh, you see that. And and I would say in foreign countries, it's hold power or die. I mean, look at what happens to people like Gaddafi or Hussein, uh, Mohammed Morsi. The first democratically elected president of Egypt. He was a member of the Muslim Brotherhood. He was a socialist. Uh, I mean, I would not have voted for him, but they did vote for him. He was taken out in a coup and he was charged with murder for some, uh, from escaping from prison, which he was a political prisoner. And uh, I believe he was sentenced to death. I mean, these people and, uh, and Yanukovych in Ukraine was charged with a capital crime. And I figure that's why Assad has to fight to the death, because you hold you get to that level. You hold power or you die or you do what you're told or you die. I think that's why we had basically four attempted coups in this country from Nixon. Uh, I think Watergate was an attempted coup. JFK, Ford assassination attempt. Ronald Reagan assassination attempt. I mean, that's what you you hold the power and you obey the shadow government, or you could your life could be in danger. I'm going to Patrick and Alpharetta. Hi, Patrick, you're on with Monica.
0: Hi there, how are you? I, I was interested to hear how you opened the show uh, in terms of the aspect of fear. I don't believe the Republican the convention hit any issue that is not a major issue for our country today.
2: Well, here's the saying, thing. It really, it's a very touchy point that I make, and I will say universally, or or, uh, a lot of people, especially Republicans, uh, really don't want to hear this perspective, or certainly don't agree with it. And this is it. And there's lots and lots of evidence to support it. You have to do research outside of the mainstream media. But there is, they, I'll give you an example. There was a leaked department DIA, Defense Intelligence Agency document, that said, from a couple years ago, we anticipate the rise of a Salafist principality, so like an Islamic state between Syria and Iraq, and that would be great because what we really want is to get rid of Assad and that will give us an excuse. Uh-huh. So when these guys come out and, and scare us a lot about like Newt Gingrich saying, you know, it's not gonna be 3,000 people like on 9-11, it's gonna be 300,000 people and they're gonna nuke a city. They, they, he wants war. He's made it very clear he wants... Uh, Escalation of military involvement in the Middle East, and I'm saying that if they really wanted to end the the threat, they would stop the military involvement in the Middle East. Because what they do is they take out secular Arab leaders like Gaddafi, Hussein, Assad. The prisons open, the terrorists come out. Even the regular people have to have to leave if you bomb so much their countries. So I'm oh. saying their their approach is backwards on purpose because because they're. They're using that approach to drive their agenda, which is not about protecting the people.
0: Okay, well, I think um, I certainly agree that part of the issue that America has is for many, many, many decades now, we have operated as the world's police force. And as the the same, uh, because of that, we wind up spending trillions of dollars and give trillions of dollars but I,
2: I i have to say that i don't think that we are the police force i think and i think jfk might have discovered this now again he's a guy i wouldn't have voted for because he was liberal but i i respect some of his opinions and one of them was uh, seemed to be that he saw that the the back office government the shadow government was was creating problems for other geopolitical goals i think like the cia created some maybe foment of the civil war in algeria i mean i'm really stretching because that was a long time ago but there's lots of evidence that that the west and the allies of the west create problems in countries so they can control the politics so, uh, you know, for me, this is all the the, the tail wagging the dog. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Uh, uh, Cantus is going to tell me after the break she wants to challenge my libertarian views and my claim of objectivity. So stay tuned for that. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show.
0: Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB.
2: 94 the high today, 75 the low overnight. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. I'm going to Cantus in Atlanta. You are on with Monica. Hi,
1: Monica. Um, as your screener said, I just wanted to kind of question or challenge what you said about you feeling like you had an objective stance for giving this Perspective that was kind of able to pierce through both sides. I was. Comment is I hesitated to de- do that.
2: God, sorry, I shouldn't interrupt. Go. You, have, you.
1: Well, well, you're definitely seeing the. You saw the convention from your point of view, which is a libertarian point of view, and that's understandable. How else could you see it? That is your, you know, point of view. That's your worldview. So you see it from that way. So I don't think you, you know, you were you could you kind of had some. Can anyone ever be objective
2: about anything? I agree with you, you can,
1: but you made the comment that you were being objective and I'm just challenging that. Right, no, I'm I'm
2: asking the question, are you I just wanna make sure, are you you're saying that no one can really ever be objective about anything, right? Because you have a perspective.
1: Let let me I wouldn't say that necessarily. I would say we are we are able to, to see things from other people's perspective, even if we don't share that perspective. And I think you're definitely calling it from a libertarian perspective. I'm a conservative, and I, you know, everything you get from me is going to have that lens. But then I can turn turn around and say I can see that I can see what a, a liberal or a Democrat is yes. thinking from okay.
2: their worldview. I and so, I do. I yes, think I that d- that is. I think I I understand that that argument, and I really hesitated to say that I was being objective. Because I realized that that's almost impossible, but I wasn't really looking at it. Uh, I wasn't listening to the policy. I was trying to feel the emotion. I was trying to screen through the content is really maybe a clearer way of saying that. And that's what I was trying to reflect. Uh, Sarah wants to call me out on something I said about Trump. So stay tuned for that. 404 or tweet at me at Monica Perez Show.
1: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop.